friends, writers, and lovers of literature. My name is Sarah, and welcome to Literatura, where I talk about classic literature, authors, the influence that they hold, and what is happening in the world during this time. Today's topic is the play by Pedro Calderón de la Barca, Life is a Dream, written in the 17th century, or also commonly known as the Golden Age. So let us quickly, before getting into the book, put into perspective what was happening in the world during this time. Spain was doing quite well in terms of economic status, and for this reason, as well as many others, that there was much yield in terms of the arts, this story being one of them. follows the life of Segismundo, a man who has been confined as a prisoner for most of his life because of a bad omen that was given when he was born, that he would be a destructor and overthrow the kingdom in Poland, the setting or where it takes place. For a normal person, this would be something horrible, but it shouldn't have been that bad that he had to have been imprisoned. The thing was that Segismundo was not a normal person. He was a prince. So we can see a little better why why it was so bad to get a prophecy of having a king that would be so vile that he could destroy the legacy of a country. While this is still horrible, we have some semi-valid reasoning now behind why Segismundo's lifelong imprisonment, imprisonment by his father, King Basilio, was made. But that wasn't the only thing. The king made sure that only one person of his inner circle was aware of this. During Segismundo's birth, his mother died. So when it was announced to the people, it was said that the queen and the king's only heir, Segismundo, had both died. When in reality, Segismundo was put in the quote-unquote ever-so-loving hands of Clotaldo, the man who would ensure that this royal secret would stay a secret by guarding the tower where Segismundo would spend all of his days. As time went on, King Basilio began to change his mind. You see, he was reaching the age of retirement and had to find someone to take his place on the throne. He did not think it was fair to leave his only son by blood without the opportunity to fight for his given right to be king, despite what the prophecy had said. So the king devised a plan for him to do just that, and to see whether or not this omen was true. Especially considering that the fate of the kingdom would be held in the hands of Astolfo, the Duke of Moscovy, or... Princess Estrella. Both were the nephews of King Basilio and would be next in line to the throne in the event that the only blood heir, Segismundo, was unable to become king. However, they were not aware of this until their uncle reveals it to them. They are shocked by this news, of course, and their chances of becoming king or queen rely entirely on the way that Segismundo reacts when he finds out that he is to be king, as well as the way that he treats people. 
If he reacts positively, without malice, then his father will know that he will be a noble king and will not harm his people. However, if this is not the case, then Segismundo will be sent back to his tower and to be told by Clotaldo that it was all a dream. Where Basilio will then make Duke Astolfo and Princess Princess Estrella the new king and queen of Poland. This is the end of Act 1. The scene starts with Segismundo, who was given a sedative from Clotaldo, so that the guards would be able to transport him to the palace. Once there, he is awakened, and he has found that he is no longer chained or in ragged clothes, whereas he is made aware of his true fate, to which this goes straight to his head. Let us put ourselves in Segismundo's shoes. His whole life he was treated like dirt and was never given the light of day by the few he knew, and all of a sudden, all of this power was thrown into his lap. The natural response is to seek revenge, which is what he does. His whole world grows much bigger, and he's at the top of the food chain. We see the first thing that he does off the bat is abuse all this power. He demands the respect and attention of all who are in his sight, and seeks the aff affection of Estrella and Rosaura, a recurring girl who is, who is also confused of her fate, and which Clotaldo quickly reminds him that he could be dreaming and he should watch what he does. Segismundo, on a power high, disgraces his father by murdering a man and getting into a dramatic, deadly sword fight with his cousin the Duke of Moscovy. He is obviously sent back to prison for life now. Of course, he doesn't know that everything that he experienced was real. When he wakes, he doesn't hesitate to tell Clotaldo about his larger-than-life encounter, where Clotaldo is quick to tell him that your behavior in your dreams is, are just as important as they are in real life. He takes it to heart. And here we see the central theme. At this pivotal point in the play, Segismundo utters the most famous lines of the play. "'Tis a dream that I in sadness here am bound, the scorn of fate. Twas a dream that once a state I enjoyed of light and gladness. What is life? Tis but a madness. What is life? A thing that seems... A mirage that falsely gleams, phantom joy, delusive rest. Since is life a dream that best, and even dreams themselves are dreams. By this point, I have already spoiled a ton of drama. But so that I don't spoil the end, I will simply say, the saying, don't judge a book by its cover, is true. There is more to a person than what is on the surface. In reference to the quality of this book, I give it a 3.5 out of 5 avocados. I already know that I'm going to get some serious heat from all the playwrights, readers, and hardcore Calderon aficionados. However, the reason for this 
is in how the drama ranks on the categories of how easy it was to read, how interesting it was, and how thought-provoking it was. Calderón does a really good job of making a different story. I wouldn't say original, only because the story has some similar elements to that of Shakespeare's Hamlet. Despite this, the way that Calderón describes the scheme of the lives of his characters are different and fun. The inclusion of how confused Segismundo was in the duration of the play is something relatable as we experience many than larger life, larger than life situations that twist and turn on us, growing us for the better. There is also a super complicated central theme for a complicated and complex story. A lot of the literary choices Calderón makes, I believe, are made to build tension. So if you like drama, you should consider this book. The level of vocabulary is a bit complicated to understand, especially since Calderón utilizes the rhetorical figure hyperbaton a little too much for my taste. I also originally read this play in Spanish, which may, you know, bring a bit of difference in your reading experience and than mine. Now quickly about what we can take away from this book. Throughout the story, we can see Segismundo had a hard time being able to distinguish real life and what others said was only a dream. In this thinking, it makes us think about and question life completely. Calderón offers the idea that a person doesn't ever really know what real life is until we take our last breath, and maybe our destiny is in our own hands. So I say to you, choose for yourself what your destiny should be or what life should be because perhaps life is a dream at best and even dreams themselves are dreams. Thank you for listening to Lubriteratura. Until the next book. If you felt like there was something that I missed, or other things that you would like to discuss about this book or others, feel free to contact me at lumbriteratura at gmail. Thanks.